Hey, this is Craig from Escape the Fate, and you are listening to the All Things Music Podcast. Tune in to All Things Music, presented by Liquid Sound Records. Here are your hosts, Ryan Katz and Ian Illyrian. What is up? Welcome to another new episode of the All Things Music Podcast. Ryan here with Ian. We got a fun episode uh, for you today with our special guests, Escape the Fate. Uh, we had a really good time with those guys, and I know you guys will enjoy uh, the interview. Before we get to that, just a couple of notes here. Uh, first, I want to tell you that this podcast, this episode, is sponsored by HempJoy. That's H-E-M-P-J-O-I. If you go to HempJoy.com, that is your number one authority on all things hemp, on all things CBD, on all things melatonin, all of those great supplements that will get you relaxed, to get you to sleep, get rid of your insomnia, get rid of your stress, because we all got stress. Um, and I use it personally. I love the product. Um, and if you go to the website right now and you let them know that the All Things Music Podcast sent you, you will get 10% off your order. Uh, and it will be free shipping for any order over $75. So go ahead to www.hempjoy.com and uh, pick some awesome CBD products. Now that we know CBD and hemp is legal in just about every state, if not every state. Um, So yeah, you're in the clear. If you want the awesome benefits of marijuana without the high, then CBD is the answer. And I will tell you what, cures depression, cures insomnia, cures anxiety. So, or I should say treats those things and they're never cured, but definitely treats them. Go to uh, hempjoy.com and uh, get your products today. Uh, Also, before we begin, I just want to play a quick note from our friends at Danny Wimmer Presents. Sonic Temple Art and Music Festival is back May 15th through the 17th. Columbus, Ohio. Two sets, two nights of Metallica. And Slipknot. I'll never kill myself to save my soul. I will remember before I forget. Sonic Temple Art and Music Festival. May 15th through the 17th at Map Free Stadium. With Deftones, Bring Me the Horizon, Rancid, Cypress Hill, The Pretty Reckless, Anthrax, Stained. I'm on the outside. And the return of Evanescence. Weekend and single day passes on sale now. Go to SonicTempleFestival.com. Metallica twice with Slipknot, Deftones, Evanescence, The Pretty Reckless, Royal Blood, Stain, and so many more. See ya at the temple. All right, now that we got that out of the way, how you doing, Ian? Rock on, man. I'm excited to see Deftones. Dude, Deftones is going to be sweet. I fucking love Deftones. Uh, Slipknot as usual for me. Uh, a lot of really good bands. Like, you excited to see Aaron Lewis again? Mm, I'll plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> I think we're going to see him twice this year, whether we want to or not. That's correct. Um, I'm just kind of excited for the weather to get better because, honestly, there is not many things on this earth better than outdoor live music. Man, I'm just tired of this shit, man. <laughs> By shit, I mean salt, dude. Yeah? Like, 
my car my car is totally covered my black pants my shoes are totally covered in salt all the time his drip is being uh, corrupted by the salt i'm just tired of it man corrupted by the salt that sounds like a sick song name yeah keep that in mind this is corrupted by the <laughs> salt <laughs> um yeah no dude i you know what we're nearing the end of february here in the midwest and anybody who's lived in the midwest understands that is just Oh, what do they call that? Cabin fever? Just yeah, it's not even the cold. It's just honestly, it's like the disgustingness of everything <clears throat> yeah. associated with it, and like, like the salt, all the sleet stuff, and all like the Dirt, constant mud. Mu- melted everything that mm-hmm. washes up in the street. You know, and it's potholes. Yeah. Pot. Horrible. Oh my god, dude. Oh. Yeah, I don't know it. For those of you listening that aren't from the Midwest or Northeast, um. You guys just don't have it the same. It just it's it it's not. You know, I wish I lived in in the South, but it's just not something that's easy to cope with every year. Even though we do it every single year, you think it'd be easier, and it just doesn't. No, nope, it just gets more tiring. But you know what? We have a lot of time to do podcasts. We have a lot of time to write music. Right. Um, go to shows. So you know, we we fill the void when we can. But uh, like I said uh, at the beginning, we've got a great episode for you. We've got Escape the Fates interview coming in a little bit. We talked to Craig Mabbitt. We talked to Rob Ortiz. We talked to... That's it? But the, tour talk- <laughs> the tour manager. The tour manager. But no, that it, those hey, those were the two dudes that I really wanted to talk to anyways because those guys are the OGs, especially the drummer. But mm-hmm. they're both real you know, OGs as far as that band goes. Really good dudes. We had a lot of different fun conversations uh while we could i kind of want to first talk about that experience of going backstage because we've done interviews backstage right. at a lot of other smaller venues right it's cool and stuff but when you go to like house of blues that's like a really established live nation you know a, a bigger venue you kind of get the uh i don't know treatment. if we've ever done the gora formally yet Either, so I've been backstage because I DJed there before, but I right. never, never. I don't yeah. think I've ever been. Maybe, maybe like way back when, but I, I can't remember. But. So in about a month, you will be back there doing an interview with. We have confirmed with Mr. Bill. Mr. Bill, for those who don't know, is a, a bass music uh, DJ and producer from Australia. He's uh, awesome. Yeah, I so love Mr. Bill. It's gonna be that'll be cool. That'll be really neat. Um. But anyways, yeah, we were at House of Blues. We got the whole treatment, you know. Uh, the tour manager came out. He was awesome. Us, awesome guy. Um, walked us through the, um, I think his name's Kirk, so shout out Kirk. Walked us through the crowd. It was a sold-out show. Um, got backstage, showed the laminates, did all the, the cool uh, kind of things you see in the movies. Walked past the guitar text, doing all the tuning for the guitars. Mm-hmm. Uh, go up the ramp. The green rooms are, are all there with the names on the doors. Uh, even when we were inside doing the interview, they had a, a nameplate on the door that said "interview in progress." I'm like, oh, I guess we're pretty special, you know. Um, <laughs> but no, it was a really neat experience, and we'll be doing a lot more of those things. And actually, our next podcast episode, I believe is with Bad Omens, who we will be doing the same thing at the same venue at House of Blues. So we will have that experience again, and that will be uh, a great listen as well. Um, I know we've got a lot on deck to talk about with those guys. But like I said, Escape the Fate was wonderful. Um, Before we do that, I kind of want to just get into some segments, get into some of your questions and 
and uh, you know, like I just said, fill the void. So uh, the first segment that we are going to do is questions. What a stupid question that is. What a stupid question. But I watch you a lot. You ask a lot of stupid questions. So this question comes from our listener, Eric, and he wants to know what are some of the biggest record labels in rock and metal? Mm. Um, Epic. Epic Records, yes, of course. Uh, Shout out to Lynn McDonald. She is my wife's cousin. She used to be the VP of rock at Epic Records, so pretty awesome plug there. Um, Epic, yeah, any major label has some sort of rock on it still. By rock, I mean instrumental music. It doesn't necessarily mean it's heavy or anything. Um, But in regards to heavier music, I guess the mainstays these days are Roadrunner. Uh, They've been... Roadrunner's been for a minute, though. Yeah, Roadrunner's been... You know what? It's it's almost like... I know they weren't the first, but when Slipknot signed a Roadrunner, that kind of... That was like the first, though. Right. Yeah. Right, because I feel like... And this could be true. I'm hoping to interview those guys at some point, but they probably have gotten other offers from like bigger labels, like major, major, like Sony or Universal or somebody, and they right. probably turned them down because they're just loyal to who gave them that shot, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Nuclear Blast, that's definitely one. Uh, and that's like your more extreme metal stuff, but that's still a really big label. Um, Victory Records used to be in that category, and then they went bankrupt, and then they got bought out. Speaking of Victory, Epitaph is another big one. Okay, yep. Uh, Eulogy, uh, that's a a big one. Um, yeah, that's a, that's all I could think of offhand. I know Metal Blade. How could I forget Metal Blade? You know, Slayer and and those guys. What's weird is people don't really and like even like us like we're in the business but we don't really ever think like record labels you know you think band names or like um i don't know like even more distribution names even than you would think like record label names so yeah and that's kind of what i wanted to, to touch on while we're on this subject is are record labels really necessary anymore mm. because i would say i would go as far to say no Personally. I, I think there's some shades of gray. I think there are certain things that labels still do that it, we have a hard time doing on our own, setting setting up tours and PR and all of those resources that they still have that they've grandfathered over. Right. But I do also think that if you're just looking for money, which is what a record label used to be, is somebody who had capital for you to use. in A bank, yeah, so to speak, yeah, for yes. bands. But that's now because of streaming and and no more tangible distribution you can actually go as a band to the bank and get a loan Mm -hmm. and as long as you guys are responsible or you have a manager who's going to help you be fiscally responsible then your loan will go to good use um the reason why record labels were a necessity before streaming is because you could not get tangible distribution without one you couldn't be in target and best buy and fye and all those places that used to sell cds um so, I really feel like they've taken a big hit, but they're still going. I mean, most labels are not, like, gone. They're- well, I feel like where they've taken a big hit, distribution has grown. Because right. there's more independent distribution platforms. Um, for example, like Lander. Yep. Um, like... Lander, for those who don't know, is an AI online mastering mixing suite thing where you can upload your tracks 
and they mix and master it via AI. Right. They also, for the price you pay per month for that service, you get unlimited um, distribution. Mm-hmm. So it really cuts out the middleman of a record label because a record label used to take care of and have outlets for things like mixing and mastering, and then they'd shoot you over to distribution. And now that everything's online, there's no need to make CDs. Right. The only missing point, and this is something I had to personally tackle recently, is art. Artwork. Artwork. Yeah, but you can outsource that. Easily. Right. So it's really, and that's not even like really a, a problem. Sure. But that's like the only thing, you know, because record labels were kind of the middleman. They had all the connections for all those things. Right. But now it's easy. You just go and Google, you type in distribution or mixing and mastering. Boom pops up Lander. Lander, uh, Distro Tune Kid, Core, t- Distro Kid, uh, yep. Tune Kid. Yeah, and a it, lot of and stuff. It, and it just works. Like right. this EP I'm working on right now, it's a solo project. I'm doing it all through Lander. And, um,. Having my girlfriend do the art and all that, and it's it's literally that simple. Yeah. Now here's on on the other side of the coin is if you go and look at your big tours, your big bands or DJs that come into town. Right. But let's talk about bands more because DJs, labels, really in Beatport, it's a whole different discussion. If you if you look at your bands or you look at your pop artists or your hip hop artists who are coming through your city on actual tours, they are all signed to labels. They all are. I mean, there's really not a lot that are, you know, because we see it when we're, we're going to look for guests for podcasts. We have to go through their information and right. know who to contact. And every single one has a label manager of some of some. Well, and that's that's where I feel like at a certain point, it's like a business. Um, you start off running a business by yourself. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you have to grow into having a team of small people. Right. And then eventually you have to grow into having a small office of people then into a big building. Right. Someone like me, for example, who's a small solo artist, I can do the majority of it on my own. I still have help from other people. So I probably actually am at the point where I have a small team. Mm -hmm. And then say if like, I don't know, my record did really well. And then I'd have to hire more people. But then there's a big difference between me and like someone like Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift would have to have a record label backing her because that record label is actually her team of people, which is the record label reside. When you, know, you essentially when you people. get bigger, you have to have you have to be able to delegate things. You just can't do the work no. by yourself. Right. You can't do it by There's yourself. There's too much going on. Yeah. And, and that's why that's where PR people come in and that's where ma- tour managers come in well, because and that's where the record label comes in. The right. record label is almost like your team of personal people who is personally assigned to you, mm-hmm. you know, obviously because there's a contract. Right. And that's what that is. So, And it helps. It helps because you can sit back and focus on your music and not worry about the stresses of all of these logistical things that right. are going on behind the scenes. Um, hell, I cannot tell you for certain if any of these bigger bands that we interview, they know anything about us at all before we walk into the room. Well, and we, ironically, you know, especially in this episode, I don't want to say too much, but it was obvious that they didn't really know who we were, which is fine. You know, it's... We're not expecting them to. Yeah, they're huge. They go on tour all over the place, and, and, you know, kind of the beginning, they were like, hey, you know, what's what's this about? And it's like, oh, well, we kind of had to give them the gist of who we are, what we do, you know, kind of our... um, I don't Stick. know. Yeah, or business yeah. pitch, if you yeah, yeah. so to speak. You know, 
And then they were like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. That sounds, you know, we're down to do that. You know, And but- I think what benefits us more than other media, not that we're the end-all, be-all or anything, and we definitely have a lot of growth, but as a podcast, we're not the type to just fire questions at them. No, and that was one of our major selling right. points to when we first walked in the room. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of expected an interview that was really, um, and like most artists. A cut and like, paste interview. That was, yeah, that was like, what's your favorite song, like you said, yeah. when we when we first walked in, and this is off the interview record, but like, oh, you know, it's like we're not here to ask questions of what's your favorite song off your new album, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. It's very you know. like uh, boilerplate stuff. And you see it a lot with if you if you just type in your favorite band or artist on YouTube and just type in interview and you'll see those kind of questions. Podcasts, it's literally, you know, and, and, and if anybody's listening who wants to start a podcast and you just need some inspiration or you need some uh, pointers, when you're doing an interview, and I hate to even hesitate to call it an interview, it's just a conversation. You're just talking about whatever comes to mind. Right. And if it goes off topic... Like, if all of a sudden we're not talking about music, even though we're all things music, big deal. Like, a lot of people want to hear other interests that these bigger names have other than, oh, yeah, I played guitar. Well, you know what I mean? Like Right. And these bigger artists are people, too, man. You know, like, like we, we actually talked about in an interview, but, like, Craig and, and, and Rob and most me- members in the band have kids. And, you know, when they right. go on tour, they don't get to see their kids. Um, you know, they have wives or girlfriends, um, that I, you know, miss them cause they're gone for months at a time. They're people too. And so for, it's unrealistic to constantly ask people the same questions that revolve around their art. Their art has to come from somewhere and the art comes from their personal lives. So if you really want to know what the artist is about, you're going to have a more intimate, per, uh, conversation or a normal conversation with them to kind of have some real insight yeah. instead of saying, Hey, How'd you do this on the guitar? Yeah, right. It's more, <laughs> it's, it's much more of a friendly experience than kind of sterile as a lot of these yeah. other ones are. So, um, last segment we're gonna do before we play the interview. Uh, this is fact or fiction. I can tell facts from fiction. To me, it's all the same. You keep creating fiction. That's not enough to make me stay. Fact or fiction, it is not okay to talk about politics if you are a prominent figure in the music industry. And I say not okay or okay because, and and I'm thinking about this, and I've been going back and forth for about a week and a half now. I've been thinking about it too. (laughs) I've been going back and forth for a week now with uh, Phil from All That Remains on Twitter. Yeah. About, he's very much a libertarian and I have my views and whatever. And there's a couple others. I've seen a couple other people uh, that are, you know, the blue checks on Twitter and Mm -hmm. they're musicians that have very, very, excuse me, strong viewpoints. Um, Right. But does it also alienate your brand? So like, okay, All That Remains, for example, that's not a political band. That's just a band. They're really good. People like them. But let's say someone likes them and then they read Phil's tweets about anti-war or pro-gun or certain things that, that a libertarian is for, right. and they disagree with them. Are they all of a sudden turned off by the band? S- Hence, you lose a fan. So, 
when you talk about it from a brand standpoint, um, I would say it's probably not a wise idea to ever talk about politics, no matter what your views are, um, especially if you are a small brand um, because you're trying to grow that, which means yeah, basically getting as people. Well, it just means getting as many bodies through the door as possible. Sure. And if you already start by dividing the bodies to the door 50-50 by their views or how they look, mm-hmm. then automatically you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. So in my opinion, and because I've debated this a lot, because especially like some of these shows I play, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, DJing and stuff, DJs have a lot of power and like the front hands of bands have a lot of power. Yes. When you tell the crowd to do something, they'll probably do something or it'll sway their opinion yes. at the time because people are in the moment. Um, so you, I think people abuse that power for their own personal views or personal gain. Correct. Which plays in part with p- the politics stuff. Yes. Granted, I have a very... Um, type of certain view obviously um you know i'm all for the equal you know rights but you know that's what i'm gonna say i'm not gonna say yeah, more yeah. than that because the 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 deal is is that it's just unwise because you you are essentially cutting your brand in half for you know your own so the other game. thing that really bothers me about it is not necessarily the person the figurehead that's doing the talking, Mm -hmm. but, and I, you know, listen, I'm hoping to interview all the remains someday and Phil's a great guy, but I'm going to use him for his example right now. If he tweets something and I dissent and I say something that I disagree with, well, all of his people that are huge fans of his are going to go and agree with him because of who he is, not because they agree with his beliefs. And that's what I'm talking about. And, and there's, there's two types of people in this world. There's leaders and there's, there's no other word for this but sheep. And <laughs> and it's true yeah, because yeah. and it's on both Alphas sides. Alphas and betas, I guess you and, could say. And I wouldn't even say both sides because libertarian, I wouldn't really, I'd count that almost as like a third side. Really, there's all types of different colors in this world. And there's lots of different leaders in this world and they have lots of followers. Bands are the same example. Just like governments. Governments... No, there's there's a leader, there's a president, there's a dictator, and there's followers. Bands, the same exact thing. They're people in power that people follow because they don't, you know. Yeah. And um, but it's it's more the sheeple. That's the word I use because it's the people who just right. who just agree with somebody because they look up to them for what they do for a living rather than actually being their right. own independent mind and saying, listen, I really like this guy's music. I really like him as a person, but I might disagree with him on something and I can say it and not be ridiculed by the giant fan base that's going to sit there. You know what I mean? It's just very frustrating. Yeah, and and well, it goes back to, you know, this is a good example too, is Anti-Flag. Our interview with Anti-Flag, um, the guy, what was his name again? Chris, Chris, I think. Chris number two? Yeah. 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 Um, we had a really um, in-depth conversation about politics here on the podcast, actually. And the thing was, he wasn't... He was... 
he wasn't really trying to sway our views. He was just trying to get us to see where he was coming from. And he actually did a very thorough job of explaining things and wasn't just like, this is how it is. Yeah. If you don't believe in this, then fuck you. You know? Right. And I feel like using your position to do something like that to spread info, true information yes. instead of propaganda. The operative word is is <laughs> what you should be doing. Because there's and there's been a couple times where like on Facebook, you know, because I have a pretty decent Facebook following and stuff, and other followings on other social media, and I've thought about man, maybe I should use this power to like be an influencer, be, be an influence, right. and. At the end of it, I'm like, you know what? I'd rather have an in-person conversation, somebody that I it's can not actually worth, explain. Listen, you're gonna if you have an online debate, and I I am certainly one of these types of people who who does. <laughs> oh, we know. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, when you're done, you you don't you'll never come away feeling better. You're right. never gonna come away, put your phone down, and be like, oh, that man, I really feel good about about myself yeah. right now. It just doesn't happen. And, it's a toxic thing. And that's what I'm talking about. You have a much higher chance of of actually having an in-person conversation with somebody yep. um, and kind of getting them to see where you're coming from. And maybe you could even learn something too. But on the internet, it's hopeless. And like, And that's where it goes back to what we were originally talking about, mm-hmm. the brand. You also got to account for your brand and your numbers and income and you know the the stuff you put on the table for people to pick up yep and if you're automatically telling certain types of people no matter what your view is that you can't come to the table because you have this view first off not only do you alienate the chance of being able to sway their opinion in the future Mm. but you also lose out on your brand but where do you balance that with actually being a band like rage against the machine or anti-flag that is mm-hmm. a political band. Well, by actually talking about it and having in-depth either interviews sure. um, where people can actually hear you explain why. Because people only do like so to much say, for your music. People love to say what it is, but people never like to explain why. Mm-hmm. To, and really, I think what it is is because they're already following somebody else, so they don't really know why. Mm-hmm. They're just saying it is because someone else said it that's is. That's exactly my issue. And, and I think that's what it boils down to. And that's why, like, Chris from Anti-Flight, because we sat down, and even though we had a lot of the same views, he also brought up a lot of stuff we didn't think about before and kind of expanded on those views. Correct. And that's what it is, the expansion of views. Because some people just have such linear views because of their parents mm-hmm. or what people in bands tell them or what the government tells them. Instead of independent thinking. That's what I, I, I'm and, just stressing is that, People can separate themselves from what's popular, what's hip, who they like, right? And and just be like, okay, is this really what I believe? And if it is, awesome, good for you. You agree with somebody that you look up to, right? But if it's not, don't like hesitate to to speak your mind be just because your favorite person in the entire world disagrees. Well, we've had people we've talked to that are really popular and famous that we've kind of told them stuff or you know i've told them stuff over my personal music career that mm-hmm. you know because we have these conversations and that's what it is a conversation from one human to another and i told them some things that they didn't even realize or know about and they're like yeah you know what that's actually true right. people that are you know have are famous and whatever you know whatever you want to call them hmm. but it, it at the end of the day we're all human beings and i feel like that's why you need to have that human 
to human interaction in person because stuff like social media and just telling people without telling them why or expanding on the foundation, they're not going to care. They're not going to listen anyway. Right. Which matters about the brand. Right. And that's what it all comes down to. So. All right, well, enough of uh, talking your uh, ears off, everybody. Uh, let's roll the interview uh, with Escape the Fate. Hope you enjoy. What is up? We are here with Rob from Escape the Fate. Uh, waiting on Craig. He might join us in a few minutes, but uh, nice to talk to you, Rob. Nice to uh, you know come face-to-face after being a fan of, of the band for a very long time. I think Ian and I can both agree that it's, it's a pretty cool experience to come full circle here, so... Uh, you know, it's 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 nice to get to talk to you. How's how's you're in the real thick of the tour right now, right? Yes. Okay. This is what like fucking two weeks in, something like and that. And yesterday, from what I saw, was originally an off day, and you added a date. Yeah. Okay. Sold it out. Oh yes, and I saw that, yeah. which is awesome. Although, how do you like, as 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 a human being? On one hand, it's awesome to like fill in a date and sell it out, but on the other hand, you're like, "Damn, where'd my off day go?" You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how you balance that. Actually, or- I was talking to Ronnie earlier about it mm-hmm. because uh, we're getting a little older now, right? <laughs> and the body's kind of needing that recovery. Where it's like before, I didn't like off dates. To me, if I leave home from the time I leave home to the time I get home, I'm at work. Yeah. Period. Like, I don't care if it's I'm in. Iowa or Regina, Canada, <laughs> and I'm going to watch a movie or go to a, a weird like restaurant or something, I'm still away from my kids. So to me, I'm still working. I'd rather fill that with another show and, and make money and, and make fans and that kind of thing, you know? So now, though, my elbow really, really hurts and my back really, really hurts and I could do with not playing drums for a day, to be honest. So, yeah, I kind of... I don't know, but I would rather play to 2,000 people yesterday than not, you know. Speaking of your limbs hurting, do you have problems with, like, carpal tunnel and stuff yet? Out of curiosity? I've never had that. I've never had that, no, but I, I do so much athletic stuff because that's kind of... I, I saw that on your Instagram, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so I, cool. I love bodybuilding. Yesterday I boxed, I sparred with my friend who's 6'6", 250 pounds. Mm-hmm. Fucked him up, dude. I don't did know if you, I could cuss, but... <laughs> did you and Ronnie ever end up going at it? <laughs> Because I saw I saw you posted that a while listen, back. Listen, yeah, that was funny. Ronnie and I like to joke about old times. I've I've seen him in fights and it's uh, it's it's outstanding. He's he's got heart. He's got a chin. You'd he's, rather settle it on Mario Kart, from what I saw. No, I'd rather fight. I like. Okay, <laughs> I saw it, Mario. You were calling him out on Twitter and like, all right, Mario Kart, let's go. Uh, um, but I'm just I'm just the boxing guy. Sure. So in the ring, I would love to. I was like, let's do it. Let's do something for charity. But no, nah, yeah. I, I think I think Mario Kart and uh, <laughs> uh, what's the other one? We're gonna have to just deal with those for a while. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's it is kind of crazy though. Man, just to, to look back after all these years and think about that, and and I trip out with him because, I mean, we came up together and we were he stayed with me and my parents for a while, and then we parted ways. We had some success early on, and we were moving towards huge success, and it all stops. Yeah, and then it's just like you know, not to rehash all of the sure. past because we're obviously beyond that, but to go and go on my own journey. He goes on his journey, and we both somehow still arrive together on tour, and 
you know, he insisted that we needed to be part of this tour with him, you know, to celebrate. And I was going to ask you about that because you were on the Barrier Hatchet tour with him already once. And so this is more of the uh, second leg of, of yeah, things. Yeah. And, you know, the, the first tour was, you know, yeah, come on in. How you doing? Uh, Craig is joining us here. Yeah. Sorry, nice to meet no, you. No, you're fine. How you doing? Waiting on these pierogies. Doing good. <laughs> hey, you're in Cleveland. You got to get pierogies, man. Um, pierogies? What is a pierogi? What's a pierogi? You don't remember yeah. that scene in Men in Black when he gets stabbed in the neck and the roaches go all over the pierogies? No, I don't know. I'm not Ooh, a I forgot about that scene. And now you're going to eat them. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. They're so good, but every time I just say the word pierogi, I remember that scene. That's too funny. So pierogi to me is kind of like... Uh, ravioli but less italian like they fill it with potatoes or mm, uh sounds... sauerkraut or what what, what uh cheese what I don't know how he just rip it yeah open, so uh it's funny we were just talking about uh the tours and how you you were already on tour with them once and you're on tour nice. with them again um is it any different the second tour? Because the first tour, I don't know if there was like any kind of. Yeah, uh, I, I think, and we talked about it yesterday in another interview. I think this time it really feels a little more actual hatchet buried, where we, you know, it's it's not as competitive anymore, and we just are like we're just older, and we're, we're yeah. It's just like we just do our thing now, and it's cool. Not not only not only with with them, but also with everyone on the tour. Like literally, our tour manager is the only guy I've, I haven't toured with on this tour. And everyone else has been for years. We've just been on different tours together, part of each other's crews, part of each other's bands and everything. So it really, honestly, this is like a weird, dysfunctional, giant <laughs> family tour is what it okay. feels like. But that's a really good thing because there's a lot of camaraderie. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's cool. And now we just like our conversations have switched from like, you know, like this or that when we're young to now we're, yeah, we're talking about our aches and pains and our bones. Sure, <laughs> yeah. sure, totally. We're not even old, but it's just like uh, we're starting to feel it a little bit more now. Yeah, yeah. I had a uh, question for you real quick before before I ask uh, Craig something. Um, since you were, you're the only remaining founding member, um, I was reading, you wrote a song, correct me if I'm wrong here, this is strictly from Wikipedia, you wrote a song called Guillotine that was based on the Halo video game series. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. That was... So, yeah. So, I actually, when I was a, a electronic producer, I used to write a bunch of songs that were Halo-based. Because for some reason, that video game saga always resonated with me. So, I, th I think it's pretty oh, cool it that you were... Best. Oh, dude, it's, it's, it's so good. And, and the new ones are okay. I mean, 343 does what they do. But Bungie, that was like a childhood yeah. or teenage or whatever, like stable for us you know and it's nice to like see yeah, like a we band we like make songs about it we spent hours and hours playing that game and it's just like that's what we do we'd practice and then play halo and play halo and then yeah eventually we we're in the studio and it was like okay well we should we should write a song about it oh yeah dude <laughs> like, and i'm just thinking like what like a video game what do you it's weird but it was like a, a, a metal, like it was like a more metal track, which sure. I always pushed as hard as I could to kind of have that element in the guitar solo specifically. And then so when Craig joined the band, he loved Halo too. So that was immediately like a big help in the bonding. And so that's when it was like, all right, let's do this War is Ours as like the sequel or whatever, you know? Yes. So that's. Well, I, I had read. I mean, if I was going to join the band, I was going to read up on the band. Sure. 
and I had seen that it was a very popular song and that the fans were always promised that there was going to be a guillotine too. So I said, all right, let's give them a guillotine too. And that was This War Is Ours. I never knew that. And I've probably, I've listened to both those songs a thousand fucking times. Really? And I never, I never knew that. Yeah, I think the original <laughs> guillotine, I, I even played with some, like using some lyric references directly from the first song. Like I think the first guillotine says something about we're on lockout. Yeah. I didn't even know it was about Halo. Snipers ready to go, so lock out some map and <laughs> yeah. Halo. There's literal actual. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I never just listened to it. Well, I, I, now so I gotta go lock out some map and Halo, and then I guess I guess you guys used to play rounds and lock out with snipers. Okay. And in this war is ours. I literally have a line where I say we fight on blackout, which was the remade lockout for the next yeah, Halo game. Yeah. Swords ready to go because I used to awesome. I used to play rounds on blackout with swords. So we did that, then we did Guillotine 3 for the self-titled album. Yeah. And then Ronnie actually did Guillotine 4 on a Falling in Reverse album like two albums oh, ago. So, that's yeah. That's what I'm saying. This that's really like, cool. It's a weird, dysfunctional family where we all, like, will love each other, then hate each other, and then appreciate each other, and then we just it becomes kind of a normal thing. So now I think that's why, to go back to that, is that the perspective is now, like, wow, we did kind of sort of we, we were in this weird thing and, and people appreciate it you know so it's it's pretty cool well it's funny because when you talk about it too and like when you guys are talking about it, i see you guys like light up because you get excited yeah about it like and, and you can just tell just from talking to you that that you're really about that like that family type of atmosphere stuff oh, Speak, speaking of family stuff ryan just had a daughter and i know you both have kids you. you got any like tips or anything maybe <laughs> Enjoy every every moment, man. So she's six months old, and uh, I I do my best. I'm a, so I do this. I own my own business, music management company, and I'm a stay at home dad. So I'm like yeah. juggling all different kinds of things. Obviously, she comes first, but it's a huge adjustment because I my former lifestyle was wake up whenever I wanted, go to bed whenever oh. I wanted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it was it was so easy going and then there's no like orientation, right? There's no like, yeah. oh, you got here's here's 4 weeks and you get to adjust. It was like no, boom, everything's done, everything's changed and it it, it fucks with you mentally cuz you're like, yeah. you know, oh my god, like it's I like the news you're going to have a kid is already like you think that's enough. But oh, when my wife told me, I thought Ashton Kutcher was that, coming out of the other room punking me. There, <laughs> the, the child is yes. in your hands. It's like, oh shit. Yes, this this is my real. Child. I have to raise this human being. I, right. I, had, I had a bit of a of a cushion. Okay. For those first four weeks is mine. I have twins, so wow. They were, they were I can't premature. even imagine. It's insane. <laughs> they were they were they were premature. And so they were in the hospital, and they were, they were uh, tiny, and they were on the... The whatever. NICU, right. Yeah, yeah they were yeah. in all that. And so I, for a long time, I was scared. I'm like, what if they don't make it or something? You know, it was very <laughs> scary for a long time. That's heavy, right. But at the same time, we did go home. We slept, and we'd come back in the morning. Mm -hmm. We'd spend all day at the hospital with them. And then finally, they're like, okay, they're ready to go home. It's like, what... what what you're not gonna help us like <laughs> right here you yeah, go well, what are we gonna do now can you come home with me like dude i remember turning back in the car looking at him and i was like okay here we go and then oh my gosh my wife still hasn't slept and they're three and a half now <laughs> <laughs> we've we've gotten so lucky my six-month-old sleeps through the night knock on wood here but damn oh. it's it's 
It's incredible. I don't know. She's probably not going to sleep for like another two months after I said that. But yeah, it's crazy. And then balancing it with touring has got to be really difficult, I would oh, imagine. Yeah. You know, I, I think and, you know, I, I have so much more respect now for Craig in, in, in the years where his daughter was was very young because he had to figure it out. And I didn't understand. None of us understood how hard it yeah, was. I was, the, I was the only one with with. Well, you had a daughter when you first joined the band i mean how I, long? I had a daughter before i i found out i was gonna have a daughter before i was 18 years old so like yeah because i remember I mean, my, my daughter's 13 now i remember when i first heard you so in bless the fall yeah career i've had yeah are her friends are her friends like fans of, of the band yeah like, now it's to the point where like i'll literally get texts from her friends <laughs> dad really like, yo, I just saw you post something, Lindsey Sterling's on your new record. I took the girls oh. to see Lindsey Sterling, sent yeah. a photo of him and the family. Oh, so it's like. God. I saw that on Instagram, too. That was pretty recent. Like, are you guys, uh, I'm not up to date with what you're doing with her. What are you guys doing doing with her other than. Uh, oh, she just she just came in and, and, and played some stuff on a track. Yeah, dude, that's that's cool. I love Lindsey Sterling. I don't, I, do you guys I like. I love her. I've been, I've been trying to get her on a record of ours for like three or four years. Right. Now. Yeah. I love her. Yeah, Robert was a huge fan, and it's like, you know, it's not going to hurt to send out an email and just ask. And once she got asked, we found out she was a fan of us. Really? So it just worked out. That's not surprising, though, really. I mean, she's like, I mean, she started out with, like, violin dubstep and stuff, you know, like, it's which is totally out there to begin with. So you know, like, and she just has that aura of somebody with that would like your guys' yeah, yeah. type that, that music. That track with uh, with with Lizzie Hale still is yes. like so sick. Yes. Mm-hmm. When I saw that, all uh, the video because the video is really cool too. I was like, holy crap! How amazing would it be? And I was just like, we were with Howard Benson at the time recording. I was like, dude, we should Legend. get her on this right. track. And we couldn't. The schedules didn't work out, but luckily this time it did. So it was pretty rad, man. That's awesome. And, I love her. I think she's amazing. So, a question for you, because we go to a lot of concerts just doing this and just loving being lovers of music, and we see different crowds for every, It doesn't even matter if it's deathcore, metalcore, post-hardcore, whatever you yeah. want to put the genre on. The crowd's always somewhat different. Tonight, yeah. uh, we're noticing, at least I'm noticing, a lot of girls. And and it other I'm genres. Handsome. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. Um, no, but honestly, like I, that is something in rock. It's either one way or the other. From what I noticed, there's yeah. either no girls at a show or it's like all girl ratio at a show. And I, I don't feel, know. I what, feel like it has a lot to do with if it's a catchier sort of band. Sure. Like honestly, if if we all existed. Not in the 2000s, but we were all born <laughs> in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Like, we'd probably be Motley Crue and Jeff sure. Leppard. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. kind of like You have the Netflix documentary. We're really into <laughs> things like that. And I just feel like if, if you're getting music that's a little more techie yeah. and more about the music, I tend to feel like guys are more into that. I agree so, with you. And it's you know, not, you know, there's not a wrong answer. Yeah, it's not to say guys aren't into these bands on this tour and, and women aren't into techie bands. It's just, when you look out at the crowd, you can see a clear... Sure. Patterns. There's patterns, patterns. yeah. Sure. 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 Yeah, definitely. It's funny, because I, you know, with, with all the analytics that are available today with streaming and stuff, and they show you the, your demographic of listeners. Yeah. And my band in particular very male one-sided and I'm like, it's like, you know, I would love to have a more of a female presence and influence on in our fan base and how can I go about doing that? But well, I guess it's many, not how something... How many love songs do you have? Yeah. 
Well, love songs or heartbreak songs? There's a difference. There is a difference, but I mean, we literally play a song called Ashley. And yeah. I guarantee you there's at least 30 Ashleys out there. That's that's like their okay, theme song. Okay, so we heard it here first. Escape the Fate says that my band has to name a song after a woman, and we'll do wonderful. Yeah, or, All just, right. or just a love song. <laughs> Honestly, we have one love song, and it was written by our female member. But if you really? do, yeah, so there you go. There you go. Yeah. See, but if you do that... Then all the tough guy dude fans should be like, oh, they're soft now. We yeah. can't please everybody. I think my girlfriend likes that. Yeah. Song. <laughs> I, I, I find these patterns to be less so now over the years with streaming because you could listen to anything. Right. And for like my entire childhood through like the early years of being a pro musician, I was the guy about the riff and the guitar solos and the flash and the flare. And I, I really didn't appreciate that stuff, especially like being Mexican, like listening to like mariachi music or something or listening to country music. To me, it was like, if it ain't metal, it sucks, period. <laughs> right. But it's just now, that elitism. It still exists, but it's not nearly as, as, as what it used to yeah, be. Yeah, and the reason why now is because back then, if you're holding up a Megadeth CD and then you have like four of the ones you've been kind of wanting to listen <laughs> to, like, well, I don't know. But, uh, I, I trust Megadeth. Yeah. You know what I mean? But now it's like, well, why not? Just put it on. Apple Music, Click a Spotify, button. you just hit play, and you you either like it or you don't, and so you have more options now. And there's a few bands that are truly like the Crossroads bands that, that transcend all of yes. it. Yes. That's like a band like Mike Hem, why they're so massive, because... Or even they, issues on a smaller scale. Yeah, yeah. You know? See, they, they appeal to everyone, and I think even though there is a large female de demographic for the shows at this tour... It's still, it's it's not like overwhelming. Yes. You know what I mean? And yeah. It's like, it's, it's. You're not the Backstreet Boys out there. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> over 50%. Well, see, that, see yeah. that makes me think about, you know, let's say your band doesn't want to write a straight up love song. Right. You could almost do, and I'm going to have to give props to the band's old singer, Ronnie, on this one. You could do what, like even Mike, you said Mike Hem did. Yeah. Just use a female as like the focal point of the song. Escape the Fate's first album. These love, these love songs from that first album sure. aren't love songs at all. They're about battling a drug addiction. But you put a female on the cover of the album, and all of a sudden these songs are love songs. Right. Even though they're about something dark. It's almost an interpretation you know? of, of if you if you make if you, the focal Marketing, point. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, of course. Um, and I think that comes down to where, where rock music is right now. I feel like it's at this weird crossroads where... A lot of these old trademark bands that are still really big and are still headlining festivals, they're doing amazingly, of course. And we've, as fans and as, as the industry has kind of been waiting for who's going to be that next new band to yeah. like step up. And I, I almost think that that's, that's not really going to be what the big picture is in, in 10 years. We're not going to have that new legacy band that's like a Slipknot and Metallica and stuff. I think that headlining spots just kind of be shared communally. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, that's I was, just my opinion on it. I was listening it. to our guitar player, Thrasher, listen to a podcast earlier, and it's just like, I don't know why people are going to continually talk over and over and over about what the formula is. Yeah. It's like, stop having conversations about what the formula is and just keep trying shit. Because the second someone thinks they understand the formula, someone comes out of left field with something completely different, it blows the hell up. And then everybody's trying to copy that formula. 
Dude, I never. So I it's never like just of, continue creating, sure. you know. I never thought someone like Post Malone would be the biggest artist on the planet, right? And because he he comes so, not exactly from our world, but he's a big fan of ours, and he's like acoustic emo guy. Then he's like the fucking, you know, the the trap rap, whatever, whatever you want. Like Lil Peep or um, XXX yeah. Tenacion or however the hell you, you say his you, name. You, no, like there is no formula again and then I start to think well you know rock is not what it used to be and then a rock band will take off and then you'll have right. the horizon all of a sudden and I think a, a lot of rock bands like it's it's hard for a rock band to take off immediately I think a lot of that stuff happens over longevity yeah and cultivating a fan base and building it over time you know so that's that's where I think a band like we said Mike Chem can have huge success and build and build and then they come back years later because now a whole new crop with like four generations of fans have gone into them like even though they weren't there when they started some weren't even born when they started and now they're fans so it's just the longevity and it's hard for a band to stay together it is because we're all different we have different growing pains and people would want to do different things and it's hard and you know so it's hard for rock music in particular, but I just think that just artists in general, it's like everyone's got a shot. You just never know who's going to take off. There's no formula, period. Yeah, especially in modern day with things like can go viral and stuff. I mean, back before you kind of predict like CD sales and like if, you know, you put X amount of money in the marketing and the distribution, you might get this amount in return. Now it's like anybody can distribute easily yeah um anybody I mean, can you'll, you'll hear pay it from marketing the bands easily. themselves too unless unless the band's so successful that they let that success get to their head and i can't i think the name of the band is anvil we were on tour with them but you get you get a band like that where you hear metallica mm-hmm. is like anvil was like the band I, yeah. I don't know why it didn't happen for them it's like the biggest metal band in the world doesn't know why it didn't happen sure. for these people that inspired them and it's just like it, nobody knows what the formula is sometimes yeah. it works sometimes it doesn't and i think that also goes into something that i i not only tell my bandmates but i just tell any musicians i manage or anybody of that matter if you are and this is not necessarily a hard set philosophy but generally speaking if you are in music to make money if that's your primary goal you probably won't make good money if you're in it for the love you have such a higher success rate because doing it for the love is that is the formula if we're really going to boil it down because that i wouldn't say it's like one specific formula if you're doing it for love you're going to go in all different directions Mm -hmm. um but uh you know i just i kind of think that's that's the way to go so you know those those are the bands that i that i see that are uh have the number one single mm-hmm. all of a sudden, yeah. But nobody's coming to their show. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, I've I've seen those bands throughout the years. They, yeah, they come out of nowhere. They have that hit radio song. You never heard of them before, and even though they're number one, it's like who's who's coming out? Right, right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> all right, man. Well, hey, we're, you guys got to get on stage, but we appreciate you having uh, you both, Rob and Craig, on, yeah. and and have a great show. And uh, this has been a blast, and uh, it's been great talk to you guys. Thanks, man. Thank you. That was Escape the Fate. Again, awesome interview uh, that we got to do. Next episode should be Bad Omens. Uh, We get to talk to them, which is great. And we might have a couple other surprises up our sleeve. Uh, We've got Joe Golden coming on from Earthquaker Devices. Uh, We've 
going to set up Ill Gates, going to do some really fun stuff. Mr. Bill coming on. So, again, really a good calendar, big calendar. Uh, if you are listening to our episode for the first time, which you might, or our, our podcast that for that matter, uh, go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, go to Spotify, uh, follow it. Rate five stars if you liked it. Uh, we have tons of guests on here. We've had Chimera, Wage War, Casey Estrain, uh, Anti-Flag, Guar, Phil Anselmo, Migo the Devil. I mean, the, 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 the list goes on and on, and we do all the festival circuits too, so anybody that's on the big music festivals this summer will be on our podcast. So go ahead and uh, follow it if you like it. Um, otherwise, as always, we're out. 